So there's no wrong or right, but certainly the principles of compassion, empathy, um, care, listening, being non-judgmental, being available to care for that friend, but being mindful that you can't be their counsellor or their psychologist um, because you're not trained to be. And I'm on the roll. And welcome to this week's episode of The Wow, the podcast that will help you navigate your way through the world of adulthood and the uncontrollable forces of womanhood. I'm Georgina Beasley, your host, and in today's episode, I speak with psychologist Patricia Gallagher about how we can best support our friends and loved ones dealing with mental health struggles. If you enjoy today's episode, please remember to click subscribe or follow, leave a review, share it with your friends. And if you haven't already, come join our community on Instagram at the wow podcast underscore. Lastly, I must warn you that today's episode does talk about anxiety, depression and a range of mental health issues, which may be triggering for some of you. If you need help, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Morning, Patricia. Thank you so much for joining us today on the WOW podcast. Good morning, Georgiana. Thank you so much for having me. Would you start with sharing a little bit about yourself, please? Yeah, certainly. So my name is Patricia Gallagher. I'm a registered psychologist in Melbourne, Australia, and I've been registered and um, for coming on to seven years, and I've been practicing in the field for nearly, oh, actually just over 12 and a half years now. So um, I've worked in a number of settings. So I've worked in schools, colleges, community health agencies, clinics, um, corporate, and uh, and been in private practice for nearly seven years now. So quite the extensive career. I really admire what you're doing because I'm sure you uh, have a very positive effect on so many people's lives. And I think mental health has a really big stigma around it. And I'm very excited to discuss this topic with you today because although we've come a long way in the past couple of years and breaking down those stigmas and making people feel more comfortable in reaching out for help I feel like there is still a bit of an information gap in the people that are supporting mm. those ones going through those tough times mm-hmm. we ha- we talk a lot about you know don't be afraid to reach out and and ask for help but what if you're that friend that you know is being told hey I'm you know, what if you're coming to me, Patricia, and saying, hi, Georgie, I feel like I have the courage to talk to you and share with you my mental health struggles. Can you help me through this? But for me, shit, what do I do? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I think that it's been really fantastic that we've got this conversation started and that we're really um, progressing and people are feeling more comfortable to discuss this. But on the other hand, I think we need to equip people with the tools they need to help support their friends and loved ones who are facing these struggles. Mm-hmm. So, Patricia, to start off with, what are the most common mental health illnesses that you see? Yeah, certainly. So especially with the coronavirus pandemic, um, anxiety has been extremely common. Um, A lot of um, concerns around um, 
you know, kind of existential kind of issues of life, you know, what's life going to look like? Um, and that's really become prevalent with the pandemic, but certainly in general, anxiety, depression, um, trauma, post-traumatic stress, um, you know, challenges coping with school, challenges coping with work, um, that sort of thing, um, school sort of issues or bullying, um, either in the school setting or in the work setting as well. And so what are some signs that we can look out for that might, I guess, highlight that our friends or one of our loved ones might be dealing with a mental health issue? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So signs can be varied. Uh, So signs can be either very obvious or not so obvious. For example, there can be negative self-talk and this is like the dialogue that we might have, uh, which is not always obvious for a friend who's um, looking out for these signs. Uh, but if someone is very harsh on themselves, it's you can pick up the language. Um, someone might be quite, you know, saying like I'm an idiot or on a regular basis having this sort of self-talk and a pattern of this. Um, certainly um, breathing issues, um, they're feeling sweaty, they're feeling quite fast and hot. They are obvious signs of anxiety. But certainly where there can be pressure on themselves as a persistent pattern as well where Um, it can lead to this sort of low self-esteem and low self-worth because they might have this sort of um, idea of I'm not good enough, I really need to be having these very high expectations um, either in school or at work. Um, There can be a lot of avoidance. So avoidance uh, with depression and anxiety is one of the commonalities here um, because there can be an avoidance of going to school or an avoidance of um, having social settings or going to social settings. And I'm talking, of course, pre-pandemic. but, uh, yeah, certainly a lot of avoidance um, is quite common. Or when there's an abruptness and sudden change in mood. So that's a very clear sign. So, for example, if someone's gone down a spiral really quickly with depression, um, there's a withdrawal. There's, um, again, that kind of pulling back uh, from contact with other people. Um, there can be, yeah, a lot of, um, or, you know, quite the opposite, actually, especially if someone is suicidal, and they are seriously deciding to follow through with it, there can be a positive mood change because someone that might follow through might feel quite relieved at the prospect of um, dying by suicide. And so they might be talking about their will or giving away possessions or that sort of thing. Um, So that, that there can be some signs there to look out for. So is it just, would you just say, keeping an eye out for any unusual behaviour that mm-hmm. might be considered out of the ordinary for one of your friends or loved ones to be exhibiting? Yeah, certainly, most certainly. And if someone's pulling back from communicating or even if there's a sense of agitation or tone of voice, so mm-hmm. less obvious cues or signs, but you can always tell by someone how they're talking and when there's a pattern of a change in their tone of voice and they're a little bit more short with you or um, giving one-worded answers or that sort of thing, not as engaged. Um, so the inter- the patterns of interaction are certainly um, commonplace as signs. I think it can often be quite hard for you to support someone going through a mental illness when you haven't experienced it yourself. It's very mm-hmm. hard to understand what they're going through and really relate to those feelings that they're expressing so how can you how would you recommend that we better understand how can we better understand what they might be going through could you speak a little bit as to what it may feel like to have an anxiety or um, disorder or depression Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
So anxiety is basically where we think a lot about the future. So it's often accompanied by what we call catastrophizing type of thoughts. So they are thoughts like, what if I don't pass school? Or what if I don't pass my exam? What if I don't pass my assessment? What if I fail? What if, you know, this doesn't turn out as planned? What if I'm um, going to, you know, not succeed? Lots of what if questions and forecasting about the future. So certainly that's, um, and I guess a clinical anxiety condition or disorder is certainly where a pattern of this exists and um, can impede on school, on work, and it prolongs or is prolonged uh, for a certain period of time. So probably up to two weeks is what we would consider um, an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. And for depression, it's kind of similar, but instead of a fixation or what we call a rumination or an overthinking about the present or the um, future, is a rumination or an overthinking about the past. So accompanied by a lot of guilt and shame and regret. Um, if only I did this, I should have done this. Um, I'm a failure because I X, Y, Z in the past. So lots of spiraling and negative thoughts. Um, so again, accompanied by that avoidance. And also we can tell it's a, a depression disorder or a mental health illness um, of depression theme when there's a pattern of depression and spiralling and certainly not even just in thought patterns but in behaviours, so not getting out of bed, um, not showering, not partaking in day-to-day activity, those sorts of things uh, indicate depression and a depressive disorder. And what kind of feelings is, like, what kind of feelings do depression and anxiety disorders arouse in that person? How can Mm -hmm. we understand how they're feeling when they're going Mm. through that? Mm-hmm. It's a great question. I guess someone with depression might be um, not very communicative in a sense um, because they may just be holding back, withholding, um, feeling because they feel like a failure and they don't want to burden somebody. And that's a very, very common theme. And then particularly, and even with anxiety too, um, is that sense of I don't want to burden my friends. I don't want to burden the people I love because I already feel like a burden. Um, But I guess in terms of emotionality and looking at that side of things, okay, well, if someone's anxious, I guess telling someone to calm down can be one of the most invalidating things to say to someone who's going through an anxiety disorder because they already feel, you know, judged and and someone with depression already feels judged. Um, So, you know, where people might say, just calm down, you know, just just stop panicking or just, just getting in out of that spiral, that cycle. You know what you need to do. Uh, things are not to what to say, I guess, in terms of looking at those, um, you know, being empathetic, because uh, that can be the counterproductive uh, response. So I guess looking at emotions, it's looking at, um, yeah, if someone's avoiding going to school or work um, on either side, really, is one of the sort of behaviours. But looking at the emotions, it's, um, you know, that self-talk, um, they might be crying a lot with um, depression. They might be experiencing quite obvious panic attacks and that might be an obvious emotion that uh, someone can um, can observe and see. So how would you recommend best approaching the topic of mental health with a friend who you may think is unwell? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I guess it depends on the person. So there's no wrong or right, but certainly the principles of compassion, empathy, um care listening being non-judgmental 
being available to care for that friend but being mindful that you can't be their counsellor or their psychologist um, because you're not trained to be uh, but you know having those key elements of of care compassion kindness respect um, uh, and opening up the conversation you know I've noticed that you know there's been a pattern where you haven't felt you know you haven't come to school uh, is everything okay is everything really okay and allowing for a pause uh, a lot of people feel like they can get into fix it mode because they're quite concerned and which is valid uh, but someone with a mental illness is less likely to open up um, to someone who might be trying to fix it um, so having that space holding that space and allowing for those pauses and really allowing that person to say I'm not okay can be one of the most healing and productive things someone um, can can have in, with support. Do you think a lot of the time it's just crossing that initial barrier of being a little bit worried maybe to ask your friend because of you don't want to be them to perceive it the wrong way or take it the wrong way but do you believe that by asking someone are they okay and offering I guess extending that branch you know and being like we're in this together I'm happy I'm here for you that that can often be what's needed for that person to open up and want to discuss what they may be going through mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I guess the gentle consistency so you know it might be something like we might say I can see you don't want to talk today I'm here whenever you're ready just know that I'm here for you. And it can even just be like um, a simple just general check-in. Hey, just check-in. How are you going today? Or, hey, how are you going? You know, something simple. It doesn't have to be too complicated. Um, but when we can push someone to seek a therapist or a psychologist or a counsellor, particularly if they're showing a bit of a pushback, can be counterproductive um, because they might shut down further then. It's like, well, I didn't talk to you because I'm seeking a, a referral to see someone. I'm, I'm just here to vent. I'm just here to have, because I feel safe with you. Mm. So yeah. And a lot of people will do that because it's, they're concerned and it's really valid, but holding that space and just saying, I'm here when you need, let's chat when you need to. And that just mm. a gentle check in on a regular basis can be really helpful. You've mentioned before the not saying to calm down to someone mm-hmm. when they're dealing with, um, you know, anxiety or depression. Are there any other things that might be worth noting not to say in these kind of situations? Mm-hmm. Certainly. So things like um, just get over it or uh, why are you crying? You know, I guess the why questions can feel inter- interrogative. Um, mm-hmm. so they probably wouldn't be recommended so much, um, or just snap out of it, just snap out of that sadness. Um, yeah, it's not like we can just flick a switch and certainly a mental health illness or condition, um, is, doesn't operate that way. Doesn't, doesn't function mm. that way. It's certainly more complicated than that. Um, yeah, if I'm sure if they could flick a switch, they would, um, but they, they can't so easily. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And so do you recommend staying with them through it and instead of going just relax, instead being like asking different, uh, kind of flipping the question instead of saying just relax, it's going to be okay, Do is it better to ask, you know, what are the feelings you're experiencing right now? Mm-hmm. 
what's what's going on in your mind talk me through what how you feel is that kind of a better yeah absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. yes because it's more um it's open it's Mm -hmm. non-judgmental so when we say open uh we haven't gone into the assumption that someone is okay or not okay um so when we have an open question someone is more likely to open up accordingly and be more responsive um you know you know then I've noticed questions or or reflections I've noticed you haven't felt you know you haven't been yourself is everything okay um I've seen you looked a bit down you know I can see that you're not making as much eye contact with me I'm just just here for you whenever you need um Mm. so things like that can be very helpful in a compassionate tone respectful tone of voice um Mm -hmm. which makes a lot of big difference Mm. uh, to someone opening up and when it comes to having to set boundaries, because I'm aware sometimes you can fall into positions where you do extend that branch of help to someone and then you then become their lifeline. You then become, you know, their, their only person that they're trusting everything in mm. and it can then put you into quite a dangerous position mm. where you can't constantly be that person's therapist that person's lifeline um how do you recommend navigating that space and making sure you've got boundaries to put in place to say I'm here for you but there's an extent to which I can be here for you for Mm. my own health reasons Mm. how do we navigate that because I know personally it's a very I find it very difficult (laughs) (laughs) yeah and that's a really good question and I guess that I want to drive home the, the key message here is boundaries, boundaries, boundaries. We can be there for a friend absolutely on a gentle, consistent basis. Uh, but what we know is if people are, I guess, if friends are asking about someone's mental health too much, we know that it can um, have the opposite effect, desired effect, uh, where they can shut down further mm. and uh, not open up at all because they felt questioned um, and that the friend might not have meant or intended to be questioning, but the other person on the other side might be feeling questioned or interrogated. So boundaries and self-care for the friend that's caring or um, cognizant of the other friend's mental health is just so important because you're not their therapist. You're not trained. You're not a trained professional. There is, a, I guess, a line where, you know, your own mental health is very important or anyone's mental health as in as a friend uh, is extremely important and there's only so much you can do um, to look out for them. Um, I guess, you know, we can say I'm, I'm here for you, uh, you know, whenever you're ready to have a chat, let's chat, um, but, you know, they, they can't be forced to seek help or um, to do things unless that other – I mean, I guess it's the case of um, – the person, the horse, so to speak, has got to drink the water. They've got to take the action. Mm. The friend can be there to stand with and support, but there's only so much that the friend can do. So those boundaries and self-care is just so incredibly important um, to Mm. avoid any burnout. So if you're getting to a point in a friendship where you feel like you're drowning a little bit under the stress of helping your friend dealing with their mental health issues, 
What do you recommend is the best way to approach that conversation in not wanting to hurt their feelings, Mm. not wanting to uh, uh, make their mental health any worse, but how can you navigate that to let them know that you might need to set this boundary and just make sure there's a limit on how much you are helping? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's a really delicate conversation. It's, um, you know, I guess there's no hard and fast answer, but certainly... um, I guess when that person is not so heightened, we may have that conversation or we may have that um, that delicate sort of um, discussion around, yeah, exactly, pretty much like what you've said, you know, there's only so much that I can do as a friend. I, I love you, I'm, I'm here for you, I respect for you and I see you, I want to see you get better, but I'm aware that there is only so much I can do. I'm not a trained professional you know, it might be worthwhile to have a look at Beyond Blue. It might be worthwhile to have a look at Lifeline, Suicide Callback Service, um, and a few little resources and tip sheets along the way where the person with the mental illness can navigate their own information seeking um, and, I guess, you know, take a bit of a – and the friend can take a bit of a load off because that friend wouldn't have all the knowledge and all the answers, and, and that's okay. So, you know, I wonder if that friend might say, you know, I don't have all the answers here for you. I am here for you, but there is a limit for me in terms of um, what I can do for you. Um, you know, if you're not willing to talk right now about this, I acknowledge what you're feeling. I can't possibly understand, particularly if that friend hasn't experienced mental illness, because that's the other thing that can be a bugbear, is if someone has said, I understand, and they haven't got that lived experience of mental illness, they'll no, they don't understand but we can say I can't possibly understand what you're going through it seems like it's an incredibly difficult time for you I am here for you whenever you need I'm just aware that there is kind of a line I suppose here that there's only so much I can do for you um, but please reach out whenever you're ready and I'll be here for you without judgment without um, criticism Uh, without berating someone further because, again, someone with a mental illness is likely to be berating themselves hard already. So um, having a friend who's compassionate and non-judgmental can go a long way. And for that friend to set the boundaries is absolutely necessary. Mm. So it sounds like taking away from what you're saying, one of the key points is to really make sure that they're in a safe environment and not experiencing really damaging mental health experiences at that time. So if they're calling you and they're really upset and emotional, that might not be the best time to have that conversation, but to maybe wait until they're experiencing a good day Mm. um, and they are feeling safe. And it sounds like honesty, openness and empathy are really important um, to have when dealing with those conversations. Most definitely. And if the friend is concerned that the friend is in crisis, uh, you know, it, it might be that, that someone calls triple zero if it gets to that point um, or calling the cat, you know, the cat team, which is the crisis triage. Um, if the friend is that concerned about um, a friend, you know, if they're really experiencing those very dark suicidal thoughts um, mm. and they've maybe said, you know, I'm really considering planning to do this um, and I'm looking at doing this. So there's a few cues that the friend could um, heed to. And certainly if it gets to that point, um, yeah, the friend might, yeah, call triple zero and say, well, you know, you're in a crisis, I'm, I'm calling. 
um, the emergency mm. people to, to deal with this if they get to that dark place. Um, mm. But certainly, yeah, when they're in a good spot to have that sort of, you know, empathetic, compassionate discussion um, can go a long way. Today's episode is brought to you by Ameldo, the home of really fun accessories. Run by a one-woman force, Emily, she created Ameldo as a way to bring a burst of colour and personality into everyday outfits. Her handcrafted earrings are absolutely gorgeous, as well as affordable. Her most recent collection, Tidal Blooms, are a beautiful collection of spring-inspired earrings designed to bring a pop of colour and fun into your outfit. Today, Emily has kindly given all WOW Podcast listeners 15% off Ameldo with the code THEWOWPODCAST. So head to www.ameldo.com, that's Ameldo, E-M-E-L-D-O, to get 15% off a gorgeous pair of earrings with the code THEWOWPODCAST and know that you'll be supporting a fantastic Australian small business. call the mental health services such as Beyond Blue, um, Headspace, Lifeline, even if you're not the one dealing with those issues. Like, for example, if you are that friend that is having to support a loved one dealing with maybe suicidal thoughts or really severe depression or just very, very heightened chronic anxiety disorder, are you able to call those services to help better understand what you should be doing will they help you through that yeah definitely so beyond blue have a dedicated um service for loved ones friends uh family members of someone who's going through mental illness um Mm. i believe um lifeline uh, have that service available too um because they do they get a lot of calls of, of you know, with friends and family that are quite concerned and certainly mm-hmm. those services are available to offer additional guidance and tips mm-hmm. um, as needed as well. And I guess because the delicacy of everyone is different, so it's important to consider that, you know, say, for example, you've got two friends that are going through severe mental health um, difficulties, those friends may be kind of approached differently based on their personality or even cultural factors too. And what... How do you navigate a situation where they're unwilling to go further and seek actual help from a professional? I mean, if if you're the friend and you're noticing that you think it's might, it's things are getting worse and they're not getting better, and mm-hmm. you think that maybe this is overstepping your boundary and you can no longer provide them with the sufficient support needed, and that they might be needing to look at someone that is um, qualified in that area to help them, but they're unwilling to. How do you mm. navigate that? I mean, is it's a very tricky situation. Do you have any tips on what best to do in those environments? Mm. Mm. And that's a really good point. Um, I guess as I was saying before, you know, boundaries are really important here. Um, you know, that person needs to take the action um, and that's just so important for them to, to do. Um, if they're not willing to seek help and support, Again, there's only so much where the friend might be needing to pull back a bit here uh, mm-hmm. because, again, uh, the person with the mental illness and they're not willing to seek support, they might not be ready. They just simply might not be ready. They might not be ready to hear, um, you know, friend support, love and care. 
they might need to take a step back. They might need to think about things before they take any action or feel ready. Um, the penny will drop for them accordingly. Uh, but I suppose the, for the friend, it's about taking that step back um, mm. because, yeah, you, again, you can lead them to, to drink the water, but if the person's not willing to do that, then, you know, I guess there's a line here where the friend might need to just pull back because they're not a, again, they're not a mental health trained professional. Um, they're not a psychologist. They're not a crisis triage person. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just something they've got to be factoring in here. And I guess just sort of that gentle, empathetic um, acknowledgement of, yeah, I can say you're probably not ready maybe to hear the messages of support and care right now. I'm here for you whenever you're ready to take that next step. I'm here for you whenever you want me to help guide you to that step. Um, but I realise there's only so much I can do here. Mm. It sounds like there's a really fine line between offering that support and maybe forcing that support mm. upon someone. Mm -hmm. How do you make sure that you're not forcing? Like, is Ed, but you want to approach that conversation without sounding forceful. Is there a good way to do it? Is there a bad way to do it? Mm, mm. Yeah, I, I guess there's no right or wrong way, but there is a healthy way where, again, using those principles of com care, compassion, consistency, empathy, love, support, really important. Uh, it, and depends on the relationship we have with that person. If we have a very deep um, and uh, a good rapport with that person, we might gently challenge that friend a bit and say, look, yeah, you're not ready, okay? So we might be a bit more blunt um, depending on that nature of that relationship with that person. Um, you know, if they're a little bit more in a delicate spot, we might say, okay, um, yeah, we might tread a bit more on the careful side or, the you know, the, um, the delicate side, um, whereas if we've got a bit more of a rapport with that person and they're maybe not in crisis but they're just being stubborn or not willing to take the action because they're not ready or various other reasons, um, we might call them out a bit on that behaviour and say, yeah, I can see you're not taking action here. Yeah, it, I, I feel a little frustrated as a friend um, and a bit worried about that you're not doing this and taking action for yourself. You know, I can see that you deserve better, um, but your behaviour is, you know, getting the better of you here. Yeah, so we might call it out a little bit more explicitly in that regard, but it just, again, it depends on the relationship we have with that friend or the family member. One question that I'm really intrigued to hear your answer on is that I feel like people can often carry a lot of guilt around wanting to step back from a situation mm. um, when they're feeling like they're in too deep. There's a lot of guilt around, well, what if I step back and something bad happens? What if I step back and it's going to be all my fault that, yeah, that, that do you have any advice on navigating that guilt mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. well I guess it boils down to what we can and can't control mm. we can control how much and we we can um I guess when we've exerted and done all we can for that person that is within our realm of control what the other person mm. does is directly outside your control so they can be really important factors here in terms of overcoming some of that guilt, um, particularly with um, the other person taking action. The ball's in their court. Um, so I guess it's like when you've exhausted all options, there's only so much you can do 
there's only so much that you can do that's I guess cognizant and being mindful of your own personal well-being and mental health and not to compromise that and not to push yourself and burn yourself out really um Mm. so I guess in terms of that guilt well I guess that kindness and compassion onto yourself and that using that positive gentle self-talk on you saying well there's only so much I can do I'm not a superhero Um, I'm a friend I'm not a trained professional it's okay to I guess accept and acceptance is a very key principle here acceptance means we don't resign to the fact that um, someone might seek help or not but it means that we've accepted well okay that person you know they've reached a point where they can take action or they won't take action and I guess by accepting it can disarm that guilt because basically we've acknowledged that emotion for ourselves um, and we've disarmed that kind of angst and anxiety too and going, okay, well, there's only so much I can do. I'm not a bad friend. Um, I've done lots and lots in terms of all I can. Um, I can't pour from an empty cup. Um, so that's that's really important to consider here in overcoming some of that guilt. Mm. And it doesn't mean you have to stop all communication with that person. No, not at all. It just no. means, you know, you need to be more uh, cautious of the boundaries you're setting. So mm-hmm. it's not a be or it's not, yeah, you're not going to not be there for them and not be supporting them. It just will maybe be a slight shift in the relationship so that you're better protecting yourself. Yes, yes. So, And what I find too that um, certainly from um, – you know, personally with some friends myself, but even certainly um, from clients and, and things and even research shows that with that gentle consistency, the friend is likely to come back and say, I'm really sorry I, I shut you down. I'm really sorry. I've had a bit of a think. I'm ready to, you know, spend have a coffee with you and talk to you about um, how I've been feeling because they haven't felt judged. And so when someone mm. doesn't feel judged, they feel safe. And they and that with that consistency, that tells that friend that the friend that's suffering the mental illness, that they that friend is a trustworthy, safe person that they can go back to later. It does mean an alteration or a shift in boundaries if that person's not willing to, you know, they dug their heels in, they don't want to seek that support. But later on, what we find is that usually those friends will come back and say, Yeah, I'm sorry, I was a bit of a you know, I, I pull back on you there. I just wasn't in a good headspace. Um, mm. I, I'm willing to maybe you can help me look for a, a psychologist referral or maybe I can look at that head, um, headspace or Beyond Blue website. Maybe you can give them a call. Maybe you can help me navigate that. Um, so they'll come back. Generally we find that those friends will come back and the mm-hmm. friendship can kind of return back on even keel. Mm. So can you recommend some of the best resources to direct our friends to that Mm -hmm. we feel might be needing that next level of support? We've mentioned a couple today being Beyond Blue, Lifeline and Headspace. Mm -hmm. Are they the main resources you would recommend and are there any others you would like to add? Yeah, certainly. I mean, it depends. So there's the Black Dog Institute which is wonderful for depression as well. Um, You know, each state in Australia has its own um, anxiety and depression um, agencies and websites. Um, Here in Victoria, we have um, Adavic, which is Anxiety Disorder Victoria website. Um, But I know a lot of states and other, you know, in Australia certainly have their own anxiety and depression resources that are state-based as well. But in terms of nationally, yeah, Headspace, um, Beyond Blue, um, suicide callback service 
has got an online service as well. So they've got some information on their um, origin youth mental health. Um, they're some of the main ones in terms of national resources uh, for mental health. I'm sure I've missed a few, but there's the main, some of the main ones. And also worth mentioning, there's a few apps, I guess, in regards to mindfulness and meditation and then how to regulate mood as well. Certainly things like there's a Headspace app, there's an app called Calm, there's an app called um, Smiling Mind. Smiling Mind also has a fantastic website, lots of different information um, for different age groups in terms of uh, meditation practices and mindfulness practices and navigating emotions as well. So there's the Smiling Mind app and there's an app called Insight Timer. So it's got lots of, um, you know, not just relaxation and meditation exercises and guided meditations, but certainly things on regulating or controlling uh, emotions and mood as well. So there's some good resources there too, because a lot of people think mindfulness and meditation is about um, saying om uh, and yeah. relaxing, but it's certainly beyond that. It's it's about self-awareness. Um, mm -hmm. And there's a few apps on there amongst many others um, that are great for mental health resources uh, as well. Mm. That's fantastic. One thing I'd also like to clarify is that do you have to pay if you call Beyond Blue, Headspace, Lifeline, any of these kind of services? Because I think um, financially there can be a bit of a concern that mm. it's quite costly to ask for help and to seek help, but are these services free of charge? So Beyond Blue, Headspace, they're free of charge to call them Lifeline they absolutely do not charge um, a cent. Uh, they are funded by government bodies. Uh, they are funded by state and federal government. So there's no charge to access any support services from these um, main organisations. Um, so uh, there is another service as well that I wanted to um, uh, recognise here because of coronavirus. Um, Certainly for a lot of us psychologists and mental health professionals, um, mental health uh, treatment services and accessibility has gone through the roof um, because mm -hmm. a lot of people's mental health has really, you know, really suffered and validly so through the pandemic. There is a service now that is free and it is funded by the government. It's called Head to Help. Mm -hmm. So Head to Help is a service where uh, through telehealth, which is um, either over Zoom or um, a phone consultation or some face-to-face -face with necessary um, safety measures in terms of COVID. Um, but Head to Help is a service that um, is, you know, a free service funded by the federal government as well. And they're just an additional service that people can access for treatment and support. Um, mm -hmm. Certainly not even ongoing treatment and support, but even if you needed that one-off chat, um, there, there is an additional free service as well. That's fantastic to know. Lastly, Patricia, would you mind sharing a little bit of information about your practice, Gallagher Psychology, and how we can mm -hmm. follow you? Okay, great, yeah. Well, Gallagher Psychology has been in operation for just over three years now. So we're located in uh, southeast of Melbourne, uh, where we have rooms there and um, I am looking to expand the practice as of next year which is really exciting news um, so I'll be in more central Melbourne as well um, and that will really kick off as of next year so I am the sole uh, practitioner and director there at, this, at the moment um, 
I might have some team eventually, who knows? Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but uh, yeah, so that's that's my practice in a nutshell. And, yes, you can follow me on Instagram and all the socials, so on Instagram um, and on Facebook as well. Yeah, and I do amazing. post little Mental Health Minute videos and that sort of thing, although I haven't been doing that as regularly as I do normally, but I'll be getting back into that. That's fantastic. I'll pop the links in to follow Patricia in the show notes so you guys can go check her out and check out her practice. Just quickly, though, do you offer telehealth consultations? I do. Psychology, yeah? I do, Amazing. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Well, thank you so much for coming on today and chatting to us, Patricia. This is such an important topic and I feel really honoured that you have taken the time to share with us your knowledge and expertise. Uh, So thank you very much. My pleasure, Georgiana. Thank you so much for having me. I feel very honoured that you're having me on today to talk about mental health because it is such an important topic and we need to be talking about it so much more to really break down those stigmas. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Wow. If you enjoyed today's episode, I recommend scrolling back through and taking a listen to Controlling Anxiety with the Psychology Sisters. I release new episodes every Tuesday, so make sure you subscribe or click follow and tune in next week. Otherwise, you can come follow me on Instagram at thewowpodcast underscore for more updates. Lastly, just a friendly reminder that the information shared in this podcast is general advice only and does not take into account your personal situation or needs. Where appropriate, please consult a health professional first. Have a lovely week, guys.